This Realist Podcast. This is episode 147. Uh, this is at gmail.com, Instagram. Um, can you hear the, the revving in the background? I have my window open. Oh, yeah. It just sounded like strong wind, but that's revving. Yeah, that time of uh, that time of the year, it's revving season. <laughs> yeah, you're right about that. I've got it over here, and and to be honest, I'm a little, uh, I'm not as concerned about the revving because I feel like I always have the revving in my neighborhood. But um, what is concerning is the fireworks have been there's been an uptick in fireworks the past yep. two three weekends. So I'm not looking forward to this coming weekend. <laughs> well, fireworks season, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. Wait, is it Fourth of July this weekend? No. Yeah. What? I know. Out of nowhere, right? Good Friday's Lord. the first. Friday's the first. Yeah. Where the fuck did June go? Oh my god. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. The thing is, like last night. Um. So you know the bars are open till. I guess this is sort of a uh, segue into our trifling in NYC segment. We always start mm-hmm. the show with. So last night, bars are up until four. So, you know, sometimes I'll wake up, you know, the noise. Uh, you know, I live on a pretty busy block in the Lower East Side. The noise, you know, some, some level I'm used to it. Some level is still annoying. But right. there was this one revving, like, I don't know if these are dirt bikes or cars or what, but it was, the revving was so loud because it revs and then there's this big pop and then it revs again. And it, this was so loud. I literally thought the car had exploded. I'm not even exaggerating. I thought a car had exploded. Like that's like a Michael Bay movie. <laughs> that's outrageous. I, I, I don't think I've had that level of revving. It's usually just a bunch of, dirt bikes and like four wheelers that roll by. Yeah. But anyway, that wasn't my main trifling in NYC. The main one, you know, I always take notes. Mm-hmm. Try to remind myself of these stories. And usually these notes are pretty basic and not super specific and inaccurate. And then I forget right. what happened, even though I have notes right in front of my face. So <laughs> The first one I have written down is helping subway, comma, coughing. Uh, so I don't know right. if that means I help someone on the subway and then they coughed in my face. Oh. <laughs> uh. <laughs> oh, man. I usually. <laughs> Why's it got to be in your face? <laughs> um, I don't know. I, I mean, I'll, I'll help. I, I've helped people with like just directions every now and then on the subway. Um, yeah. I, I'm drawing a blank as to any specifics, but I did write down one that I do remember. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's about Air Maxes. So, um, Air, Air Max sneakers, Nike. Yeah. Specific design. I had no idea that they're pretty expensive. Yeah, they can be expensive. And that, so, um, this guy, so is this dude, probably like late twenties who was sitting across from me on the subway. I was on the subway uh, and it wasn't too crowded. And this dude is sitting across from me, this younger dude, like late twenties 
Um, and then there's this other dude, this older dude, probably like late forties, early fifties, uh, who was sitting uh-huh. ne- next to him. So they were both across from me. And that dude, the older dude noticed the shoes that this kid was wearing and he sort of tapped him and he, we looked over and he's like, Hey, Hey, what are those? Those are pretty cool. And the kid was like, he was like, Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. Now nah, these are uh, Nike Air Maxes. He's, and he's like, what Air Max? That's what, that's what they call it. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, oh, okay. How much are they? And they, he's like, <laughs> the kid's like, um, he's like, yeah, they, these were around two hundred dollars. Damn. And he's and he's like two hundred dollars for a pair of shoes. And he and I thought he was gonna that's get into. I feel. I thought he was gonna get into like some old man stuff about like you know back in my day. Yeah. <laughs> but no, but actually he was like. Oh yeah, okay. That, that's probably worth it. He said that the, was worth it. Yeah, and the kid's like, yeah, and I had to get them on like the secondary market too because apparently these sell out like immediately when they go on sale. Is that a, is that a thing? I know this this whole sneaker um, culture, but I think so. You know, I'm not totally in tune with all of it, but definitely with certain um, models, I guess that come out. They're, they go very quickly. Yeah. So, I mean, that was basically it. There's yeah, no, like, I know that sneakers is a lot to me. $200 for sneak. Would I ever know? Um, and having to go to this F like secondary market. Um, I don't think so. Um, I think the upper limit on what I would pay for sneakers is about $80. But, um, but so that's, you know, that's not, you know, uh, one of our crazier trifling in NYC stories. You know, no, that the was guy. a pretty, pretty quiet one. I, and then I thought for a minute that the guy's going to be like, give me your shoes, try to <laughs> rob with your shoes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, those are pretty good. Oh, this is my stop. You want to just take those off, hand them to me right now? <laughs> yeah, so I'm going to uh, get out here. I'm going to take your shoes with me. Uh, and then I know I, the kid looks up at me. Like, uh, and I'd be looking, I'd be like, phone, okay, didn't see, don't, no, sorry, headphones, headphones are in, what, what? <laughs> uh, no, the older guy was totally pleasant, totally pleasant, very affable, um, and, uh, yeah, they hit it off, I think, uh, you know, I think they made plans to hang out, um, <laughs> pool hall. Oh, okay. Get some pool. So I followed them, and I, you know, I kept an eye on them, but nothing interesting happened. It was still pretty, pretty boring. Oh, that's too bad. So the only other trifling story I have is I wrote down for last episode. I don't think I covered it. Tell me if this rings a bell. But I was at a bar, sports bar, to watch. Um, wanted to watch a Yankees game. Yeah. And. Oh, I know what it was. So it's, it was a bar where they had four TVs and like two of them were on, I think, a hockey game and two were on, <laughs> the, the other two were on the Yankees game. I think I do remember this one. Okay, I did tell it. And he was right. like, no, they're connected. But yeah, then later okay. on, he, cha- he was able to change one at a time. Yep, yep, that's yep. <laughs> yep, he got me. He got me. He got, he got you, I guess. He did. Um, 
but you know that was a little annoying but i i have subsequently been back to the place because they have a great deal on um the, uh you get like a you can get a burger and a pint of any of the draft beers for ten dollars oh that is a great deal and what? like and is the, that this during lunchtime uh oh yeah it's happy hour only so it's only till seven i think damn that's but, a great deal yeah, the burger's really good, too. You have to text me this place. Surprisingly good. Yeah, sure. Um, but anyway. Uh, okay, well, dude, Air Max dude and his new buddy uh, <laughs> going on adventures. Uh, stay tuned, listeners. <laughs> Next episode, I'll, uh, I'll update you. Buying shoes on the secondary market together. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Picturing the kid, like, pulling out his laptop, like, going to, like, some yeah, site. And like showing the old man, like so. Yeah, so you go. This is the one I use, and they're pretty reputable. Usually deliver within a week, week and a half. Um, he's like, oh yeah. Now what is this? This is uh, is this one of those laptops? Like, he's like, oh, boy. <laughs> it's one of those laptops. Oh boy, I gotta, I gotta explain this. Um, <laughs> but speaking of older people, uh, who may have been alive during World War Two. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, I'm going to get into the main segment, which is a review of the recent, recently released Netflix movie entitled Operation Mincemeat, starring yeah. Colin Firth, uh, Tom from Succession. <laughs> Wait, it's, he does have a name. Yeah, I, I, it's, it's Tom. <laughs> Tom Wamsgams. <laughs> um, and Kelly McDonald, who um, I've actually been a fan of hers for quite a while. She's she's so good. Yeah, you um, know, she seems familiar. And then when I looked it up like this morning and saw like her regular, like not in that movie, I was like, okay, I've definitely seen you around before. Yeah, she. I first saw her. She was in um, No Country for Old Men. Uh, mm-hmm as Josh Brolin's uh, wife, I believe. Um, but yeah, she's, she's great. But it, anyway, now we're reviewing this. Long-time listeners will know. Uh, you know the ears might perked up at the, the mention of Operation Mincemeat because in one of our conspiracy segments from a, maybe a couple years ago, uh, we happened to actually cover this this uh, operation, which was um, a real-life World War II operation that the Allies um, implemented uh, related to basically to, to try to tr- deflect uh, the Nazis' attention away from their plan to land in Sicily and then right. move into Italy from there. They tricked him into... And trick the Nazis into believing that they actually were going to land in Greece, meaning that the Nazis moved the majority of their troops over there in Greece. And when they, when the Allies actually got to Sicily, uh, they took over pretty quickly and easily. Um, but so we covered that, and pretty fascinating story um, that I had never heard. Uh, and the key part is the method they used to trick. Uh, the Nazis, and that's mostly what this movie is about. Uh, that plus attacked on love interest, sto- love triangle story that we have, th- we have thoughts on. But 
<laughs> why, don't, why don't we start with uh, your overall impression uh, of the movie? Why don't you give it a well, yeah, give it a rating up top, actually, out of ten. Um, maybe a, a seven or six. Seven. We'll we'll say seven. Okay. Six point five. Six point five. <laughs> <clears throat> um, over overall, I found it to be overall enjoyable, right? And a pretty pretty easy watch. There were only a couple times where you had had to pay like close close attention. So it was. It's one of those movies where it is a spy movie. However, not necessarily as complicated as like a uh, what was it, Tinker. Tinker Taylor Soldier mm-hmm. Spy. Yep. Not definitely not as complicated as that. But you did need to pay attention enough to to know what was happening. But also you didn't have to pay attention for like the entire movie to realize what was happening. Only like specific parts, as long as you caught the basic uh, you know, outline of their of their trick then. But um Thought the actors were pretty good. I I, I enjoyed it. I, whoever was Churchill, Churchill was nice and nice and grumpy, and he was pretty good. <laughs> um, I did not like the love triangle. The love the love piece actually made me very tired. I went to sleep. I, I had one <laughs> sleep. <laughs> As That's I sweet, yeah, I was like, what's happening? Why is what did I write down? I think I just wrote jealousy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> sure you weren't listening to uh, to uh, some bravery, <laughs> Bra- yeah. your bravery playlist in the background. No, uh, it, it was just jealousy. I wrote down. Um, it had some nice, com- you know, comedic bits. Like the, I liked it when they were trying to photograph the the dead body in in his uniform, which is a, a terrible idea. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know why they tried that from the start. Um, I didn't. I did not like that love triangle bit, but everything else was was pretty enjoyable. You know, it's got one of those classic classic themes or. or where like the commanding officer doesn't like the plan, but these guys get permission to do the plan anyway, and he's not really behind it, and he like tries to throw it under the rug and like be like, "Look, this plan's shitty." To his superior, and then his superior's like, "No, we need this plan. We got to do it." And then it works out, and then the other guy's got egg on his face, you know. So right, it's, it's got that type of thing happening. Um, but yeah, ov- overall it was cool. Like I like a good spy movie, and like these double crosses and and learning that, and it had the historical aspect to it, which always is fun. And it seems like you kind of like learn something new. Um, like I don't, it's interesting because I don't know a ton about World War Two. Like, like I guess we learned like the broad strokes in school, right? Right. But for some reason, I like didn't know all these details. I like I didn't know. Like what? Man, I'm gonna sound like a dummy, but like I didn't know all this stuff about Spain just like being neutral and it essentially just being like a playground for spies. It's like spies all over right. the country. Um, I had no idea about that stuff. Uh, so, um, that, so, so that was kind of neat for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess I didn't. Um, it was yeah, it was neutral officially, although I think it they leaned. Um. 
uh, leaned in the direction of the Nazis, and I believe that they had a civil Spain had a civil war around that time as well. So it was in flux to some degree yeah. due to that. Um, yeah, it was interesting to see that, that the and then the British military had like a pretty strong presence there because they had like the right. whole office. Um, but anyway, yeah, so overall for me, I would probably, yeah, 6.5 sounds about, about where I'm at too. Um, I do like good spy movies. Uh, Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy is one of my, probably one of my favorite movies of all time. Um, top 10, like, yeah, I saw it in the theater. I was like, what just happened? I didn't know anything that was going on. I'm like, why'd they, <laughs> why'd they shoot that guy? Who's that? Yeah. That is that is Gary Oldman, okay, um, and uh, it it kind of forced me to look into it a little deeper, and that led me into so it's based on a book. Uh, it led me to I actually read the book, which was great, and then I mm-hmm. watched the movie a few more times, and I got into the, the author Jean Le Carré. Um, I read I probably read the majority of his books by now, so yeah, so I, I'm heavy and spy stuff uh from that era specifically world war ii and the cold war um yeah this doesn't i mean it's i was pretty excited when i heard about it and like yeah. the, the, and pedi- the pedigree looked good too it did and the the pedigree of the actors involved is was really good as well so i was like wow this is going to be great but then that dun dun that, that that Netflix logo smacked me in the face, and I rem- I recalled that no Netflix does not do super top tier. They do pretty straight Damn. ahead mediocre. Hate in. <laughs> and yeah, you know I'm looking at the director. The director of this movie is John Madden, and wait, John Madden. I know. I saw that too, and was just confused. I was like, "What?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, he's he's like, "How much football do I really need to to consume?" I mean, let me let me spread my wings a little bit. Imagine, it's like drawing in like the <laughs> director's room or whatever. He's like drawing X's and O's. <laughs> then you come around here, and bam! You <laughs> you hit the line, hit the mark right there, and then. <laughs> But you gotta watch. You gotta watch your six because they're gonna be running down full speed. Camera's gonna be operating full speed. Record. It's gonna be recording everything now. Um, but this is the director of um, uh, the most notable movie. As I'm looking at his list right now, is um, uh, I guess I'd say Shakespeare in Love. Well, okay. But then it looks like he also did the best exotic Marigold Hotel, and apparently there is a sequel to that. Which I'm I just playing. Know that. Um, so I haven't seen any of those movies. I haven't seen any of his other movies. Yeah, me neither. Um, but okay, cool. So yeah, it's a Netflix movie, and it it definitely carries that. I would say it's among the better Netflix movies that I've seen. Um, uh, and again, I'm I'm kind of already in the tank because of the cast. Um, so you yeah. know, it's definitely not. Yeah, it's solid. 6.5. Um, and in terms of... One of the, the main things, as I was watching it, I was like... And thinking and 
thinking back on our recording of the... Okay, sorry, I'm thrown by the siren. It's okay. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, oh, that's really close. Um, uh, I was reminded of our conspiracy segment on this topic, and I was pretty happy that it matched up pretty much exactly to what we talked about. Um, mm-hmm. So that was good to know that we... Because it, it's the plotting of the actual operation was pretty intricate and there's a lot of moving pieces. And so, uh, it was, I don't know if you remember us doing it, but it was kind of tough to like even structure it, you know, in a, in a way that, you know, is sort of digestible for, you know, a listening audience that didn't do all the reading about it that we did. Would would you agree? Right. I, I would, I would agree. And I would say that even in the movie, they, it did. It came off rather straightforward in their initial plan, just broad strokes. But again, like the same problem we encountered, um, there are a lot of variables and tons of details that need to go right in order for the whole plan to work. And I actually found myself more engaged once things, I mean, this is will come later but like once things sort of started to unravel and seem like it might not work out and then i think i don't know if i was not paying attention but then you just see like the real complexity of the plan and it's like oh you need like all of these dominoes to fall if one domino doesn't fall the plan doesn't work yeah it's done like yeah and i think i think um you know, it's World War II. There's tons of different operations going on at any given time on both sides. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so they, I thought it was interesting that they sort of showed a little bit of that when the commanding officer dude, I think he came up with some other idea. Yes. Yeah. To try to, I think, because they were all in agreement that they wanted to somehow draw the Nazis attention away from Sicily because they mm-hmm. really felt that, that that's where they had to, to land in order to get into Italy and then make their way, um, obviously up to Germany. Um, and so, yeah, there is an, a level of, or an aspect of this movie that was, um, sort of like office politics, uh, amongst middle managers, which yeah, that's that's a pretty good description. Yeah, it was. Which, yeah, which can be <laughs> can be interesting, and it's like that felt pretty realistic to me. Like, because it's like even though we're in the middle of uh, the biggest war, uh, the, probably the world has ever seen, um, that people are still petty with each other, and like, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess that makes sense. Like, we're still humans at the end of the day. Um, but yeah, I mean, we, we can get into it and I guess, you know, we, we've sort of been dancing around what, what the actual trickery operation is. And it's like, I almost don't even want it's like so fucking elaborate that like, I'm already kind of exhausted even thinking about how to explain it, (laughs) which is terrible for like a review. If you want to take a crack at it, you you can can do it without specifics right so the main idea is that allied forces wanted to attack sicily however they they needed to to do it without 
Hitler and, and the Axis forces finding out. So their plan was to basically um, do a fake out, right? Now it's, now it's like back to John Madden. This was a fake, like a fake handoff. <laughs> so like the, yeah, the fake attack. <laughs> like, play action. <laughs> we are going to attack Greece. That's what it was, right? It was Greece. Yeah. Yeah. Like sending sending all these signals that they were going to attack Greece while actually lining up to attack Sicily and then get up through Italy and you know just try to end the war through that way. So in order to do this, they needed one of they had a lot of different ideas, like you mentioned. And then like one of the groups gets sent to the basement, and their plan is to use a dead body um, carrying classified papers, fake classified papers that say um, we're going to attack Greece and have these make it all the way from the coast of Spain like uh, to Hitler's desk um, in time for for Hitler to more to move his forces to fortify like the Greek defense so then they can sneak around the outside and go up through Sicily um, that's like broad strokes but it's a lot of complicated yeah that was that was a really good summary um yeah the 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 key the 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 gimmick or the hook i guess you could call it that i mean initially reeled me in when i heard about this and wanted to learn more is that yeah they they planted fake papers on a dead guy that they dressed up to look like an like an officer uh and they threw his body in the in the Mediterranean, uh, in order for him to wash up on the coast of Spain, people to find him and the Nazis to get access to those papers and then to then also read them and believe them. Um, so a lot of time was spent in, I mean, obviously the the majority of the movie, I guess is about the planning of, of this. Um, and then, and then the execution as well. And mm-hmm. and then that's pretty much it. So, yeah, I mean, it's a it's a fascinating story. It's a true story, which is it's pretty interesting. Um, and it's real life, sort of weird spy shit, and it worked. Uh, thank God. Uh, but yeah, so I guess now that I'm thinking back on the movie. It is a lot of just like meetings and it doesn't, I will give it credit because it seems more interesting and engaging than you would think a movie about a series of meetings would be. (laughs) That that's a good point. It was, and they did, I mean, I guess they did a good job of editing it and lining them up together. So there weren't these big lulls and the action, but there were still lulls because they wanted to talk about this love triangle this love story that was just so boring and yeah, really just distracted from the main story. Yeah. So the two main dudes are played by, um, Colin Firth and then Tom, Tom Wamsgames. <laughs> um, and there's, they're the key ones who are working together on this overall plot together. Basically there, it's mm-hmm. their responsibility. And this, I guess the secretary of, Colin Firth um, uh, is also there, and Tom has a crush on her. She's 
in wait, Power. Wait, no, 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 no. This is. Wait, I think she was something else at first. Was she? She did, was like in the. She was in like the, the office of the what do they call it? the twenty the twenty committee. Yeah, something like that. So she was in the office of like the top secret planners, but she was a secretary. But the older woman was like was the one that been with Colin Firth from the beginning. Like went right. to wherever wherever post he went, like she was there too. Right. So yeah. that's how they all met. So yeah, so Tom had the, a crush on her that wasn't really reciprocated, and Colin. Yeah, that, man, that movie theater seemed so awkward. That was pretty good. Yeah, <laughs> where he's like starts hitting on her, then her date shows up, and then he's like, I think he might have even said under his breath, awkward. <laughs> <laughs> and then turn back. Um, <laughs> uh, or maybe that was me. Maybe that was me saying that. That was you just being uncomfortable watching it. Like, Whoa. I was, yeah. <laughs> and I was actually, I watched this with, uh, I was visiting my mom and uh, I watched it with her. And I think even she said, she, she rolled her eyes. Um, <laughs> so. Well, we I do have some notes. I mean, we've covered the broad strokes. Yeah, so, and, and actually, let's stick with, with the love triangle thing. Okay. And apologies, I'm, I just had to have this candy. It'll be quick. Um, but, I gotta say, this whole cut thing with Colin Firth is supposed to be like some dapper... I was hoping like, you would bring it up first, and I didn't have to bring this part up. <laughs> Some sort of dapper, like, <laughs> distinguished, like, like, yeah, zaddy, like, like, love interest for these, these characters. Not just this movie, but, I mean, a number of them. Um, it's for uh, Kelly McDonald's character to be into and fall in love with. I'm like, uh, okay. And, you know, reading about the movie, like this, this is whole love triangle thing was completely made up for the movie. And it, it really feels tacked on, just tacked on. And like mm-hmm. someone like saying, God, fine. We'll put in a love story. <laughs> that is, that's exactly what it feels like. Like, oh, okay. Okay. Netflix is like, you got to have a love story. Yeah, we're not, we're not moving forward. We're this is forward. like, yeah, it's <laughs> Netflix is like, no, we got to have our story structure algorithms got to hit all these specific notes to to make it feel like a Netflix movie. Mm-hmm. So uh, great, um, but uh, you know, I I actually didn't really mind it as much as it seems you do, um, but I was, yeah, I would say I was bored by it. Yeah. Um, yeah. For, for me, it just it just felt so unnecessary and just added on. I'm like, this isn't doing anything. And Colin Firth, like, he's not cute. Like, what's happening here? <laughs> like, did you see that soldier that she was like, nah, I'm not going to talk to him anymore. Yeah. I'm going to focus on Colin Firth instead. It's like, what? Yeah. Yeah. The soldier, the soldier boy was uh, <laughs> looking like a snack. And yeah, and she's like, ugh. Wish wish these clean cut 
good looking dudes, dudes uh, saving the world would get get the fuck out of my face. God. Exactly. <laughs> go fuck this old dude. God. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's like like how Larry David has like the most beautiful women in, in Kirby enthusiasm. <laughs> now, in the reality of the show, he is Larry David, wealthy ass Larry, Larry David. Right. Um, but whatever. Um, anyway, we've set our piece on the on the love triangle, but uh, okay. I, I do want to go through some of these notes that I was taking as as the movie went along. Um, so the, the first thing I wrote down is, um, how old is this kid he's reading a story to? Oh my gosh. <laughs> I, I was thinking the same thing at first. I was like, oh, he's a little. And then when they zoomed in on his face, hold up. Hold so up. One, of, one of the first scenes of the movie is Colin Firth is reading his child a bedtime story. And this kid is like 15. <laughs> Yeah, I guess the kid is supposed to be like six or seven, but I, I swear to God, that kid had like I had a mustache. <laughs> he was old, too old to be having a bedtime story and to be going to bed like before dinner is served downstairs. <laughs> what time is it supposed to be right now? <laughs> there was, there was so much happening right there. So old. <laughs> He was really like, Dad, do we still have to do this? Colin Firth is like, this, you're going to listen to this story, boy. <laughs> it was like, I think it was like the, ju- the Jungle Book. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, oh, man, we're reading Dostoevsky in my, in my school. Why are you have to read me the Jungle Book? Oh, boy. It was oh, terrible. Man. That was terrible. I was like, I was when the start. I was like, does he work with this guy? <laughs> Why is he in bed? He's in his bedroom, reading up a story. Oh my god! Oh, yeah, it, it that did, it didn't make any sense. I'm glad you brought that up. I forgot. I I remember thinking that in the moment. This is like, what is going on? <laughs> He kissed him on the forehead. I was like, man. <laughs> Ew, dad, can't stop. <laughs> oh, yeah. That, that was pretty outrageous. Oh, man. Yeah. So I wrote that. I also wrote down, this is my, the part where he's like, this is my assistant, Ian Fleming. <laughs> uh, which is an interesting part of the real life story is yeah ian fleming aka creator of james bond um was actually involved in this um this plotting i think he actually came up with part of the idea uh behind the uh the overall project right um in in the in, movie or in real life i don't know about in real, real life, life. I don't remember that, but in the movie, he was pretty, pretty involved. Like it was one of his main ideas. It was like, yeah, idea number 28 in this, uh, right. Secret idea memo. Right. Yeah. But they just like highlighted, like sort of wink to the audience, like, but which, okay, I get do it, but they did it like four times. 
throughout the course of the movie. It's like, yeah, we get they it. They did. They really made sure you knew. What are you doing over there? I'm writing a spy novel. It's like, okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> Just writing a little book about a little guy who does little things. Nothing to worry about. Oh, what's his name? What's the name of your main character in, your, in this novel you're writing? And then he just turns to the camera and winks. <laughs> <laughs> that, that would have been pretty good. That would have been good. Um, okay, so then I have... Um, have Izzy happy? He wants to be their prince. Okay, that doesn't make any sense. Uh, oh, they, they, there's a turn of phrase that I really liked um, that I believe the commanding officer used when he was critiquing them about you know their plan and it's like it's it's too too intricate not going to work and he used the phrase he's at some point he said this is an example of corkscrew thinking and what he meant by that was you can i think it it's a reference to how you can overthink something because they had to basically put themselves in the shoes of a Hitler be the guy under him who was going to review it and then bring it to Hitler um, to make sure that they would find it believable. And so then, you know, that, you know, that was a scene just writing the letter, the correspondence that um, was between like two admirals, I believe. Oh, um, yeah. And so they, yeah, they, they had to put themselves in their shoes so they could, Find a find a believable, I guess, basically. So, yeah, I, I don't know. It's I just hadn't th- heard that phrase before, and I thought it was kind of cool. Um, I don't think I wrote down any phrases, but yeah, there was some cool stuff like that. Oh yeah, yeah no. that was another thing. Sorry, another reference to James Bond is so James Bond always has a few different gadgets. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, his, oh yeah, <laughs> and there's a scene in this mo- movie where they're like. Basically, Ian Fleming is just kind of hanging around while they're talking to, like, um, I guess the guy, the guy that there is going to design uh, something about some specific kind of briefcase. Or he was doing the stuff with the briefcase and all all of the like verification of the letters. He was there. Yeah. And they were taking the pictures before and after. And but off to the side, uh, Ian Fleming is like kind of fiddling with like stuff laying around the room, and there's a wristwatch that has a miniature buzzsaw in it that he triggers and he looks at, it's like a, yeah, it's sort of like a weird gadget that you might see in a Bond movie. And mm. once again, he, he activates a saw, looks up at the camera, smiles, winks, <laughs> does the finger guns, uh, and then gets back to the movie. <laughs> oh man, that's right. I forgot about that, that that was him. But doing, I just thought like, you know, I was thinking like, oh yeah, James Bond in general, because it was, I, oh there they go, because um, yep. this was, like the Q, like Q stuff is real, I guess, like the Q branch, mm-hmm. um, and they were there, and I was like, oh yeah, James Bond, Q, um, yeah, but right, and then he's like a buzzsaw watch, I'm like oh, of course that's in here, yeah, even though they didn't use any cool gadgets, they just used like forensic science to see if the letter was opened. <laughs> Basically, yeah. Um, yeah, one of my notes here is they keep trying to squeeze in Fleming. Yeah, which they did. I mean, I get it. It is like, look, this is 
I mean, we're sort of into like general spy movie stuff, but it can be a little dry. Um, you know, outside of the James Bond series, like when shows or movies try to take it, like basically do realistic versions of spycraft. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, it is kind of it's pretty dry, but it'll be like a bunch of meetings, a bunch of conversations, then out of the blue, someone just gets shot. And then yeah. it'll, it'll go back to meetings and stuff. Um, so having Ian Fleming in it is sort of a hook that's, you know, I guess could attract people's attention, I suppose. Um, so I get it. Um, not the end of the world, but uh, yeah. Uh, they were really going hard with that. Oh, they were, for sure. And then they, I guess they had that like running joke about everybody writing writing like spy novels. Right. Um, I, I don't know if that was a thing. Was that a thing? Where a lot of people were writing spy novels? Back um, then? I, f- Oh, in real life back then? Um, yeah. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, probably in the aftermath of world war one, where like, I guess the general public would become more aware of this, the, that sort of thing. Uh, just, I guess through news reports of, of you know, the ups and downs of the war. Mm-hmm. Um, so I can see that. Um, I did write down just circling back to the, to the love triangle, um, that I wrote, it got interesting when the rando dude showed up. Um, dude. so towards the end, Kelly McDonald's character is approached by in her, in her home by some random dude. Oh, yes. Who has surmised that she knows the details of, of the plot and he basically threatens her and gets her to, to spill the beans on it basically. That and guy's the uh the bartender. Which bartender? He was the bartender from the club that Colin Firth and them they went to all the time. Oh. Teddy, I think his name was. Oh, that's right. Cuz yeah. they they did sort of highlight I saw earlier on where it did seem like he was sort of listening into their conversation. Right. So that's he tried to be like quiet when he came over, but yeah, that's him. It took me a minute too. I was like, wait wow. a second. We I totally, I totally didn't put yeah. that together. But, but I like, I thought it was getting interesting because I was like, oh, you know, she's been saying she's a widow this whole time. But what if maybe that's actually maybe she was lying about that, and this is actually her husband come back to find her, and like maybe she had, you know, escaped an abusive <laughs> relationship or something, and now he's back. That'd and be pretty good. I was like, oh, I perked up, and then it, and then he's gone in like two minutes and never comes back. Yeah, and I was like, oh, no, I was like, oh, quack. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh yeah, that's this inside joke I have. Where I just made up this character who says, oh, quack. <laughs> <laughs> says, oh, quack. I'm all out. I'm all out of my pork and beans. I went to the cupboard for, for some pork and beans, and I couldn't find any. My cupboard is bare, so I can't have my pork and beans. Oh, quack. Wow, what a character. <laughs> <laughs> Why yeah. does he need pork and beans? I don't know. He just likes it a okay. lot. I don't know. I'm just workshopping that, that character for a novel I'm working on. It's about a guy who pretends to be obsessed with pork and beans, but in reality is a super, super spy working for the CIA. <laughs> Oh man, that's pretty good. Yeah, that's that is really good. You said you said it's really good, or pre- you said pretty pretty good. good pretty okay, good. okay, got it. Well, I'll work, I'll work it up to being really good, and then 
I'll release it to the world. Uh, I'll release it up upon the world. <laughs> but anyway, um, I think I have one more note. Uh, no, that's. I think that's all I got. What do you have any more? Um. Well, <clears throat> let me see. Uh, the trout memo. Okay, that was the memo. Not the main plan, but they get to try straight to business. Jealousy. Oh, that this part about his brother being a spy for the Russians was. I don't know. I feel like it should have been a bigger part than what it was, but like, I don't know how this was a smaller story than, than the love story. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was Colin Firth's brother, right? Yeah. Who was a spy for the, for the Russians. Like a, they labeled him as a communist sympathizer, I think is right. officially. Yeah. That was that. I mean, yeah, because they didn't really flesh it out. It, it also felt kind of tacked on and shoehorned. Yeah. Yeah. I don't even know. Was that? I don't know if that was real. I guess I can go look it up. But yeah, it if it been. was, like that was. I mean, that's a big deal. Oh yeah, yeah. If the guy <laughs> who yeah is running this very top secret thing and lives with his brother, I believe. Right. Um, I, I don't know if he always lived there. If he just moved in once his family moved out, but yeah, and he was like, he seemed pretty well aware of his brother's. Um, you know, we'll say political leanings, but, mm-hmm. um, and isn't there one scene where he's like, like the brothers, like, oh, I have to go out, out, I have to go to my social club or something. And there was, yeah, there were I didn't some pick suspicious up on... moments for for both of them. Like, mm, yeah, I don't know, this like weird game that they're playing with each other. Yeah, um, because at the end he's like, yeah, look, I know if this gets out. Like he'll be, he could be hung, and I'll and I'll be disbarred or not disbarred, like drummed out of the service or whatever. Right. Yeah, I don't know. It sometimes felt that like sometimes with this, and and this happens in movies is like they shoot scenes that they think they might want to use just to have it have the material, and then as they're going to the edit, you know they they they'll be like remnants of certain plot lines that you only see a glimpse of in the final product um Mm, okay and possibly were developed more in in maybe a different edit of the movie um but had to be dropped but some parts had to be left in to make sense with other parts yeah does that make any sense no no that that does make sense yeah so that was just an example of that in my opinion I, i you know i don't know but yeah. Um, uh, okay, let me see what else. So I for the spy. I'm writing spy novels. Um, this like side another like small plot I guess which was used for Tom to help spy against Montague was like his like for some reason they needed his well not for some reason I mean his mom wanted his brother's body back but for some reason it wasn't being sent like that part i didn't i didn't get why the body wasn't why his brother's dead body who was killed in the war wasn't being sent back and yeah. like what the big deal was like weren't they sending all bodies back home well yeah I don't know. that was I weird it. you're right because he had to basically he had to get some level of leverage in order 
for them to send his brother's body back to their mom. But yeah, it seems like it's like, damn, I gotta like do all this. Shit. Like, isn't yeah? It should be like a normal part of the process, right? Maybe I don't know. Yeah, I feel like either like I missed something, or again, it could be like what you were just talking about. Like the explanation of that got edited out somehow. But right. I, yeah, I I didn't get it. Yeah, I, again, I was like, what? I, why am I supposed to care about this? Right. Does he care about it? <laughs> I get his mom does, but it doesn't really seem like he does. No. Yeah, maybe it's like, or maybe it was like, <clears throat> you know, if there's a lot of dead bodies, obviously there's a certain process that has to be applied to, you know, bring it back somewhere, you know, identify uh-huh. it, X, 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 Y, Z. So given that there were, you know, probably hundreds of thousands of bodies to go through, maybe it was more a matter of like, getting his brother's body bumped to the top of the list or something like that. Okay. Maybe something like that. All right. That would, that makes sense. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Did you, did you have anything else? Uh, no. Monsuki's brother plan falling apart, but then that part is when it got really exciting when they had to actually execute the plan. Right. That was fun. Um, but no, other than that, I just, there was like one final tank. So I was watching, watching this with my wife and she, she said, this one was pretty good right at the beginning. I don't know how she missed the title. I think she came in a little bit late, but she okay. said, what, what is, what are you watching here? This is, this is the, is this the meatball project? Said no, it's oper- Operation Mincemeat. <laughs> the meatball project. Now that sounds like that. That sounds like an Adam Sandler movie from like the late nineties. <laughs> yeah, it does. The meatball project. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, where he's like he like inherits like a meatball factory or something. <laughs> Yeah, he has to like go to Italy to to run it, and he's like, he's like, nineteen years old or something. <laughs> oh yeah, that would be it. Oh, that would be it. Yeah, that's a, that's a good tank. Um, Operation Mincemeat. Yeah, they they didn't even get into why they chose the word mincemeat for it either. That that was a brief one. They said, oh, because it's because of the dead body. She's like, yeah. Oh, okay. I guess I missed that part. It's real. It was real quick when he was negotiating to get the uh, the picture. Okay, so mincemeat is just just because it refers to a slab of meat. Yeah. I, I guess. Uh, yeah, yeah okay. I did like how they they were clowning on his his initial project title. Um, now I can't even remember it. What was it? Project Meatball or something? No. <laughs> No, damn. Yeah, they were. Everyone was like, "Oh, that's so obvious." Oh, really? Oh, I don't remember that either. Yeah, that was in the in that room. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I mean, it was quick. Yeah, see, like that's you know, it's because I was looking at my phone probably because drift. (laughs) My attention is drifting away. Um, That's what happens. But yeah, when they actually executed the thing of like putting the body into. into the Mediterranean. That that was fairly interesting. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, no, it was, and it's just like so complicated. Like, how do you? I don't know. I'm sure there's tons of science involved with like the science of like the moon and waves and how the tide works. But how did they even know it was going to go to shore and make it to shore? Yeah, I think. Um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, they there's yeah there's some prediction you can do based on tides, but yeah, it, it's still pretty iffy. Yeah, and how they know that somebody's gonna be around to find it in time, like all all of that stuff. Or did they schedule someone to pick it up? Is that what they did? I don't. I made. The, I don't know if I missed that one. I don't think so. I think it's just they were just hoping that someone would come across it. <laughs> That's a big leap of faith. Yeah. So yeah, I'm just I'm just looking at this director's credits a little bit more. Um. Uh. Anyway, yeah. Uh, I guess we can we can sort of wrap up. Um, I uh, overall, yeah, six point five out of ten. Uh-huh. Yeah, that feels about right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I I will say I do like that. I mean, Netflix is, and I guess the streaming services generally are the only ones now that <clears throat> are making movies about stuff that's not like a sequel or you know, the Fast and the Furious or what have you that, you know, yeah. you'd see in, you're probably not going to see this in the theater, but you know, it's, it is cool that these types of movies are being made. You know, it's a sort of original story. Um, uh, it's well acted. I mean, Tom, mm-hmm. uh, you should probably get his real name. I mean, <laughs> I, I will say this, unfortunately, after like being so, so into succession, it is hard for me to, think of him as right. something other than Tom. Exactly. Yeah, he's he's it's a pretty distinct character. Um Yeah. Let me look let me look up his real name here and uh, oh his real name is Tom Wamsgames. That's, that's weird. Okay, well um anyway we can wrap up. Uh eat eats up the green, uh drink a lot of water. That's right. Oh my god, I was I was in my room pretty much the majority of the day yesterday and it was really hot and as you know I don't have an AC. Um but man, I I was I was actually looking into is there any way I can get an AC delivered today? <laughs> From like prime within 90 minutes. Yeah. I, there, I couldn't really couldn't really find a solution and so I was just like let me just take a nap. Mm. So. And you were able to sleep. Uh, eventually. Well, good luck to you. <laughs> I hope you have some fans. Yeah, yeah, I'll figure it. I'll figure something out. The Vornado recommendation is pretty good. I'll, I'll look at that. Maybe if I order one now, I'll have it by like Tuesday or Wednesday. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You should always, you know, I feel like if you just make it through, you might be fine. I might. This weekend. I mean, it's just really today that's going to be like real hot again. But. Yeah. Well, we'll see. This was my guys. Bye bye bye.